Good morning. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here once again. If you were with us last week, we heard from John chapter 3, verses um, 1 to 15. And that is the encounter with Nicodemus. And Jesus told him, you must be born again. And today we'll hear from John three sixteen to 21. And then, Lord willing, next week, the rest of John 3. And then, Lord willing, again, March 5th, the beginning of John 4. But for today, we'll be in John chapter 3, starting in verse 16. And let us hear now the word of our God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. But everyone, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it might be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And this is the word of God. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Yes. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again that we hear from your word today, Lord. May you speak to us what you want us to hear, what you want to use to change us, that we come away from here loving you more, loving each other more. May we hear of that great and incomprehensible love that you have towards us in Christ, Lord. May our eyes, our ears, and our hearts be open to receive what you have to say. I pray all of this in the saving, loving name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The most searched Bible verse on Google is John 3.16. People often hold signs up that say John 3.16 at sporting events or different things. Athletes themselves will wear John 3.16 on their uniform somewhere or even on their body. Tim Tebow, the talented former college and professional football player who had a brief stint trying to play baseball with the Mets minor league team, he's a Christian. I'm sure many of you know of Tim Tebow. When he was in college, he led his team to the national championship. And during the game, as many players do, he put black stickers under his eyes. And this is to help from the glare. But Tim, on the, these stickers, he wrote John 3.16. And years later, he recounts of this when he was interviewed by Harry Connick Jr. Tebow says, We were playing for the national championship in college on January 8, 2009. And I decided to wear John 3.16 under my eyes. And Tebow recounted, During the game, 93 million people decided to Google John 3.16. And Tebow, Tebow says that was a pretty cool moment. And that is a powerful verse. It is one of my favorite verses. It's the verse my daughter, my oldest, first memorized. There's so much in this one verse, and we can be here for months to years just unpacking John 3.16. We have the love of God. We have those who God loves. We have what God gave 
for those he loves. And we have that person who receives the gift. We can unpack this verse, like I said, all day. We can stay in this one verse. But here today, we will go through this whole section. And as we walk away from this text today, I hope and I pray that you know that God loves you. I pray that you come away from here knowing that your sins, all of them, are forgiven. I pray that you know that you have eternal life. I pray that you know what happens to those who don't believe on the only Son of God. But I pray that you know if today, if you haven't believed yet, you can believe and your sins can be forgiven. You can repent and have salvation by grace through faith alone in Christ. But I also pray that believers, that you are encouraged to share that gospel if you know people who haven't trusted in Christ yet. Share the love of Christ that comes in this passage today. We will look at this passage in three parts. First, the love. Second, the loved ones. And three, the judged ones. The loved, the loved ones, and the judged ones. So let's begin. The love. Verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. What is love? The verse is often translated, for God so loved, expressing almost that God so much loved the world. And in a sense, that is true. He does. But it might be better translated, for God loved the world in this way. In what way? In what way did God love the world? He loved the world in this way that he gave, he gave his only begotten son. What is love? Do you love? Do you love your mother? Do you love your father? Do you love your spouse, your friend, your neighbor? Would you give the life of somebody else for somebody that you love? How about this? Would you give the life of somebody else for somebody that hated you? You and I, we were enemies of God. Our sinful rebel hearts were bent away, away from the holy God. In fact, we hated God. We did not deserve the love of God. We don't deserve it now. Yet here it says, God loved the world that he gave his son, his only son. God gave his only son, his unique son. There is no one like the son of God. There is no one like Jesus Christ, the eternal Son, now become flesh, and now still has a body seated at the right hand of God the Father. The perfect Son was given for imperfect God-haters. Romans 5.7, the word says, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for the right person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love For us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been now justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. 
More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The Son of God was given for you, an ungodly person, to reconcile you to a holy God. Not after you started to love God. Not after you picked yourself up by your bootstraps and cleaned yourself off. But while, this text says, while you were still his enemies, God saves sinners. I saw a movie once where soldiers were being trained and there was this one soldier who didn't look strong. He was this skinny guy, but this sergeant believed in this guy. He believed he would make a good soldier. So the sergeant one day was arguing with the other officials who wanted to cut this soldier, saying he's too weak. And this was happening right in front of the training. So that sergeant took a grenade and threw it into the middle of their training. And all the soldiers scattered. But that one skinny soldier that looked like he couldn't survive. And he covered. He covered that grenade. So when it exploded, he would take the impact. But that grenade didn't explode It was a fake. The soldier did that for his other soldiers around him, people he knew, maybe people he didn't like, but he took, he was willing to die for those people. Jesus knows whom he is jumping on the grenade for. They are not his friends. We were not his friends. We were his enemies. But the grenade Jesus jumped on was not fake. He took the full explosion of the wrath of God for ungodly sinners. Many in war and other places die to save others. Firemen rush into buildings to save the lives of others. Police risk their lives. The Coast Guard risks dangerous storms to save those who are stranded. Many times heroes risk their lives. They lose their lives for people they don't know. Jesus died to save people he knows. Jesus died to save the very people that put him On the cross, my sin, your sin, deserves the wrath of God. But Jesus took that punishment, paid in full. He said, to Telestai, it is finished. He did this for rebel sinners, those who rebelled against him. Why? 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 Why would God do that? Because God loved you in this way. God loves you, that he gave his son, his only begotten son. Back in Genesis, Abraham was asked to give his son. But unlike that story where God called to Abraham, told him to stop before that knife came down on his son, God did not stop the nails from being pierced into the wrists and the feet of Jesus, his son. Isaiah 53, 2. But he was pierced for our transgression, He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. God loved the world in this way. But who is the world? Remember in our previous text last week, Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, a teacher of the Jews, came to Jesus. And the Jews were the people of God. They were perceived as those God has chosen to be his people, and they are. And Nicodemus perhaps thought that because he was Jewish, 
he would be in the kingdom of God. He would be saved. They rightly worshiped God. But what does Jesus say to Nicodemus? You must be born again. He told him, anyone who looked upon the Son of Man that was lifted up on the cross, lifted up for the people, they would not perish. They would have eternal life. And here in John 3.16 is a continuation of that conversation. So it's not just the Jewish people who are saved. It is all those who trust and look upon and call upon the name of the Lord. And here we have our second point, the loved ones. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You are here today. I can assume that you all believe. I can assume you have eternal life because you have trusted in the gift given by grace through faith in Christ. I can assume that you are the whoever this verse refers to. But I'll ask it anyway. Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you trusted in him for your salvation? Have you looked at the sinless Savior who was given to live a perfect, righteous life, to suffer a sinner's death on the cross, and to take hell for us? Are you believing? This is what the text says. Those believing should not perish. Those believing will have eternal life. This is how God loved the world, that he gave his son to die for all who are believing. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Christian, you have believed. You are not condemned. Your sins, all of them are forgiven. By grace through faith in the only begotten son of God. You are in the kingdom. There's no other way. You have been born again. You must be born again. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those who believe. Jesus was condemned in your place. He lived, he suffered, and he died. He suffered the pains of hell on the cross. This hell was meant for you. This hell was meant for me. And we willingly were running right towards hell. But God pulls us back. Our eyes, our ears, and our hearts were open to see the Son of Man lifted up for us. Our sins are forgiven. I heard a pastor once tell this story of a man who bought this very expensive car. It was over $100,000. I don't know how cars can be that expensive, but this man bought this very expensive car, and this car was not supposed to break down. But one day, it broke down. So he called the dealership, and they had to send, they had to fly out a mechanic to him because no mechanics in his area could fix this specific expensive car. So the mechanic got done, it was fixed, and he asked him, am I going to get a bill sent to me, or how do we pay? He's like, oh, maybe, maybe they'll send the bill. Months go by. He doesn't get a bill, so he calls the dealership. He's like, hey, my car broke down. You sent a guy out. I'm sure it's going to be expensive. How much do I owe? And they put him on hold. And so the guy gets back on the phone with him. He's like, sir, we have no record of your car ever being broken down or being repaired. See, these cars weren't supposed to break down. They didn't keep 
the records. Brothers and sisters, God has no record of your sin. You have been forgiven. In fact, it's better than that. You have righteousness in your account. The righteousness of Christ credited it to you. You are righteous. God has loved you. Yes, in this way. 1 John 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. Not only is this love of God a forgiven love, but it is the love of a great father who has adopted us into his family. You are far off from God, but now you have been brought in, you have been brought near. You were predestined for adoption. 1 John 4, 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Brothers and sisters, you are the loved ones of God. He loved you before you loved him. We could not even love him on our own. Again, you and I were enemies of God. We wanted nothing to do with him. We were sinners, rebellious, but God has snatched you out of the fire while his own son went into that fire for us, willingly jumping in. His son is our propitiation. He is our sin offering. He is an acceptable sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But God not only saved you, he makes you clean. He gives you a new heart to do his will. And now the loved ones of God who are believing on him, we can live through him. He saves and he sanctifies us by his grace through faith in Christ. Verse 21 of this text says, But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it might be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Now we walk in his works, prepared beforehand that we should do. Christians will do good things, empowered by the Holy Spirit. They will be done for all to see, so that God gets the glory, not us. And we know what is true. We know how to walk in the good things. Jesus himself prays for us in John 17, verse 17. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The loved ones of God, those who are believing ones, those who have been born again are sanctified by the spirit and the word. From this, they will do the works of God in the light. Matthew Henry, the commentator says of this, our works are then good. And will bear the test. When the will of God is the rule of them and the glory of God is the end of them. When they are done in his strength for his sake to his name and not to men. And if by the light of the gospel it be manifest to us that our works are thus wrought, then shall we have rejoicing. It is a glorious thing to do and know the will of God. But this brings us to our third point. The judged ones. 
Verse 18, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Do you have friends and family and people you know who haven't trusted in the Lord? Do they continue to reject Christ? Do they say things like, well, you know, if it works for you, that's, that's good. Or maybe they say, I'm not religious, you know, you can have this Jesus thing, I'm spiritual. Or maybe they just flat out reject the message completely. No matter what, it is all the same. It is all a rejection of Christ. They actually reject the God they know exists. They do so for the same reason many of us did so. It's because we hate him. But these people, they are condemned. Their sin brings the just condemnation of a holy God. But there is hope. We do not know if their rejection will continue. What is impossible with man is possible with God. But if they continue in the unbelief, their condemnation is sure. If a person remains unbelieving, they remain condemned. Jesus told those around him in John 8, I told you that you would die in your sin. Unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. In this verse, in the original Greek, that word he isn't there. It's just, unless you believe that I am, ego a me, which is a reference back to Exodus, where God told Moses, tell them that I am sent you. Jesus is saying, unless you believe that I am he, I am God, you will die in your sins. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Verse 19, and this is the judgment. Light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. It does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. Jesus is the light of the world. The one who is the light, who is the life of men, has come into the world. The light has come to his own people, yet they rejected him. The Jews were seeing these miracles They were hearing him preach, and they still rejected him because they loved the darkness. Picture an abandoned house or an abandoned building. It's run down. It's inhabitable by human standards. It hasn't had human life living there for years. But there is life there. There's insects, rodents, various other creatures all over the building because they love the dark. But one day, somebody decides to explore the building. They come in with flashlights to explore. And what happens when the flashlights are turned on in this building? The creatures scatter. The bugs and the rats, they run. They prefer the dark rather than the light. This is the way of the sinner who continues in unbelief. Jesus, the brightest light. True righteousness comes into the world. And the world of sinners rejects him. They are like cockroaches running from the flashlight because they prefer to hide in the dirty cracks of the floorboards. So it is with sinners. As if anybody can hide from the light of Christ. Your sins done in private, they are seen by God. You may think you're keeping them in the dark, but he sees. Do not be afraid to expose them to him. Come in faith. Be forgiven. Thank you, Lord. Stop hiding 
from what God already knows. He knows your hearts. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from some unrighteousness. Wait, no, no, not some. A little, a little, no. All unrighteousness. Not just some. He is faithful and just. Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But many will still think like the Pharisees did that their good works of charity is good enough to be good with God. They tithed, they prayed, they worshiped, but they still rejected the light of Christ. They loved the power that they had. They loved the image of looking holy. They prayed, thank you, God, that I'm not like that sinner, that I'm not like that tax collector. And what did the tax collector and sinners pray? Have mercy on me, a sinner. That's the effect the light has. We either reject Christ or we say, have mercy on me, a sinner. And people in the days of Jesus either came to him and their sin was exposed and they followed him like the woman at the well that we'll talk about, Lord willing, in a few weeks. Some wanted to hear more. Some out, some flat out continued to reject Jesus. There's nothing new under the sun. You've probably experienced too. When you've shared the gospel with your friends, some will believe which is great, but some will continue to reject the light. Because what the light does, it exposes our sins. It's like putting diamonds on a black backdrop. You see every imperfection. The light of Christ shows us every imperfection. It cuts people to the heart. But hopefully, and keep praying, that those hearts are changed to love Christ. While it is true that those who continue in their unbelief will die in their sins, Don't be discouraged. We must pray. We must share the gospel. His will be done. His kingdom come. I have many friends and family members who would rather stay in the dark. But I also, myself, as I said before, at one time loved the darkness. And somebody kept praying for me. Somebody kept sharing the gospel with me. And 10 years later... Here I am, Thank you, Lord. and there's nothing I'd rather do Thank you, than talk of the light of Christ. Thank you, Lord. It's a heart-changing thing that I couldn't do on my own. In this text, John three sixteen, I am the whoever believes. If you have believed, you are the whoever believes. You can put your name in that text, for God so loved the world that when Daryl believed, I was given eternal life. My sins were forgiven. You are not judged. You are not condemned. You are not hellbound anymore. You have been judged righteous and made worthy for the kingdom. Adopted as a son. Adopted as a daughter. You are royalty. Why? Because God loves you. But let's not forget again that while he loves us, he is also just. A just God deals with rebellious sinners. He is perfectly just in the judgment and condemnation of all who continue to rebel against him. The judgment of hell is a just punishment. And while sin separates us in a sense from his gracious love, his holy presence is known still to those who are in hell, who will still hide from his righteousness. Our reaction to the light should be as Isaiah 
in Isaiah 6, which was referenced before by John. Woe is me! I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. Or the reaction Peter has when Jesus tells him to cast the net on the other side of the boat, and he pulls in a great hull of fish. Peter said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And in both cases, the Lord showed mercy. In Isaiah's case, he sent the cherubim with a hot coal to cleanse the lips of Isaiah. But for the unrepentant sinner, there's no relief. There's a continuing of sin and unbelief. They will not say, woe is me. They will not humble themselves. They are calloused. They are hardened, even in hell. But the holiness of God is still present. But if you are here today and you are dead in your sins, you can be made alive in Christ. If you just turn to Christ, because this passage says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus Christ, the son of God, is offered to you today. He's freely offered to you today. You have forgiveness of all your sins. You can have God as your father. Jesus Christ was given for you. Be encouraged to share this truth with your unbelieving friends. Shine the light of Christ into your family, your neighbors, even strangers. Share the word. The word of God is powerful. I'll end with one more story. There's a story of a preacher. He tells, he tells of a man who came to see him preach at an evening service. He never saw this man before. This man walked in, sat right in the front row, and the man had his sad, somber look on his face. So after the preacher was done preaching, the service was over. He went right over to the man, and the man hand, hands him a manila envelope. The man just found out he had three weeks to live. So the preacher asked him, because he preached the gospel that day, he said, do you understand what I was preaching to you? He's like, yes, I understand, but I'm still not sure. I'm still not sure. And this was a big man. He was never afraid of anything in his life. This was his first time in a church. And he, and he, he said, the message was clear, but I, I'm not sure. So the preacher said, I have a flight to catch tomorrow, but I will stay here with you today. Or however long it takes until you know for sure, or you die. So he took him through the text bunch of texts that gives us assurance of our salvation and he said let's read through john three sixteen. and the man said but we've already read that he's like just read it one more time so he's reading it for god so loved the world and that as he's as he's reading it the man begins to weep and the preacher asked him what's the matter he's like i'm saved i'm saved the preacher asked him kind of Surprised, he's like, well, how do you know? The man says to him, have you not read this? Have you not read this? Brothers and sisters, God has given his son to all who believe you are forgiven. Hear that, you are forgiven. Go out and tell the world. Don't continue in your sin or in your unbelief. You have the light of Christ shining. Flee from the wrath of God to the righteousness of Christ. I went with this. If you are like that man in that last story I told and you are not sure, don't leave here today until you know. I have a lunch John invited me to, but 
we'll put that off. I will stay here. The elders will stay here with you today until you know you have salvation, eternal life in Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. And here is the offer. Take it. Don't leave here today until you know. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for sending your son, for sinful, rebellious people, your enemies, Lord. Yet you sent him, and he willingly came, and the Spirit comes and quickens our hearts, renews our hearts to believe. Lord, continue to do that for our friends and for our family. And give us the patience to endure, knowing that your time is the right time. Give us the patience to know when to speak and when to not speak, when to just listen, but to know salvation is of you completely, but you use us broken vessels that you've restored to new life, to be sons and daughters, to be ambassadors of Christ. May we be ambassadors of Christ today. May we love you more and more as we read this text that you so loved us, that you loved us before we loved you. May we know that and be able to love you more and to love others more that's all i have lord just that prayer today i pray that in the saving name the name above all names jesus christ amen